to another episode of the Applaud Her podcast. My guest this week is Ruby Lochner. Ruby is a talented actress, podcast host, vlogger, and online event producer. She beautifully exemplifies what it means to support other women. Her confidence, grit, and dedication to everything she does results in podcast episodes and YouTube videos in the lifestyle space that equally inspire a confidence so contagious and simply irresistible. She also serves as a producer for online events. I found this business venture to be so innovative and inspiring. In a time when we are gathering virtually more than ever before, having a well-facilitated event for your guests to enjoy is so important, even if it's virtual. I am so excited for you to listen to all of the valuable insight Ruby shares. Please join me and enjoy Ruby Lochner. So I want to start out by saying thank you so much, Ruby, for being my guest on the podcast. It means so much to me to have a fellow podcaster. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. And we actually just wrapped up your interview for my podcast. So I am really eager to just like keep chatting. Yeah, me too. I feel like you're someone that is just makes everyone feel so comfortable. And we can talk about so many different things. And you have so much insight into so much of the media and digital world that I'm so curious to learn more about. And it's, they're just something that I think we could talk about all day long. So I'm especially excited to talk to you as well. And so I wanted to actually start out by sharing with our audience how you and I met, because I think that's such an important part of our relationship and really inspiring other people to reach out and realizing that we're all really accessible and wanting to help each other out. And because the focus of this podcast is creating a movement or inspiring other women to just reach out to other women and realize that, hey, we're all here to help each other out. So you and I met on the Girl Boss Network and you answered my kind of call to action, looking for podcast guests and also looking to talk to other women that are in the podcasting world. And you were so quick to respond and so kind. And we hopped on a call and I feel like we talked for an hour and we could have spoken so much more. So I am so glad that you've decided to be my guest. And that's why it means so much to me to have you here as well as give you an opportunity to share about all of your experience in the media world and speak to your professional experience there. Well, that is so crazy sweet. First of all, it was a super easy yes to want to come on your podcast. And yeah, we did meet through the Girl Boss Networking app, which for anybody who's listening, anyone who is a female entrepreneur or a small business owner or a creative female, I highly recommend joining that networking site because not only have I met you, Cecilia, but I've met so many other incredible incredible like-minded women on that networking platform and it's still in beta so if you actually choose to join you're kind of like one of the first to like you know join such an incredible platform so could not recommend it more and I'm so glad that we connected me too and I'm really glad you gave that shout out to the girl boss network because I think it's so important to highlight communities that are fostering just a sense of community and making a really positive experience for other women to share their ideas, something that you and I talked about in your podcast. And so I think it is 
good to call out, especially like you said, networks like the Girl Boss Network that are in beta and are growing and expanding. So hopefully they'll, the platform will grow and more and more connections will be made like you and I. Yeah, absolutely. Could not recommend it more. And it's free people and we love free. So create an account. <laughs> yes, yes. I couldn't agree more. Um, so, so to set the stage, I wanted to start by asking you, where did you grow up and what was your first job? Yeah, so I actually kind of had a pretty interesting upbringing. So I grew up in both Nashville, Tennessee and New York City. Uh, my mom is from New York, but she's in the country music business. She's a songwriter, producer, publisher, and she was a recording artist too. So I split my time between those two places. I went to school in Nashville through high school, um, but then I would come to New York for, you know, anytime we had a break, uh, sometimes I came up here for, you know, other specific like fun events to go see a show or to go to an audition. Um, and then I moved up here full time right before I turned 18. Uh, my mom has a place here still in New York. So that's how we were kind of able to split our time. That's a very long story short. Um, my first job. Now, this kind of depends on do you want to know, is it really literally just like the first job that I made money from? Yeah, I would say we could set that as the criteria. Okay, yeah. because I was I was pretty young actually. I was so literally from the time I could talk, I knew I wanted to be a musical theater performer. I knew I wanted to be an actress. I knew I wanted to be on Broadway. Um, and I was kind of raised in the entertainment industry. So honestly, it's, it's no surprise I decided to go that route. So my first job, I was four years old and it was a professional acting gig and I played a Christmas elf which is very fitting considering we are recording this right in the middle of the holiday season so I was a Christmas elf four years old giving it my all and um, I loved it that's amazing I think that's one of the most incredible first jobs that I've heard and I think that also speaks so much to your talent you have such I haven't heard you sing, but you have such a beautiful voice that projects so beautifully and so fluidly. Um, speaking of your your mom's profession and her creative profession, did you find that having um, that person in your life that had that creativity and was involved in the music industry, was that really what... Um, inspired you to want to go into this field? And, and what about her profession did you find that you found yourself most interested in? Yeah, you know, I think it was kind of a culmination of like a million different things. Um, and, you know, even though I am in the entertainment industry, like my mom, I'm kind of on a completely different side of it. You know, I'm, I'm in the theater world and now I'm also in the producing world as well, which I know we'll talk about a little later, whereas she's primarily just in the music business. Um, you know, as far as what was really the driving force that made me want to choose that as my career path, because it's definitely not for everybody. You have to have very thick skin. I honestly can't pinpoint a time where that is what I like didn't want. It was always what I wanted. And I think it's because I was just kind of submerged in it from day one. And it was really all I knew. And of course, you know, as you get older, you have the option to kind of look at other things. And my parents have always been my biggest cheerleaders. But there was just something about the arts that spoke to me more than 
anything else. And to this day, it is my biggest love in life besides my family, my boyfriend and my dog. (laughs) Yeah, I share that love for creativity and the arts as well. So that's definitely something you and I share in common. And so throughout your life, was there certain ways that your mom fostered that creativity in you and really encouraged you to pursue that interest? Oh, yeah. You know, this is going to sound harsher than it was, but this is just the best way to say it. So both of my parents, I think it's really important because my dad, actually, he was studying to be an actor and a performer before he met my mom. So they, they both have experience in the in the arts. Um, and both my parents were always my biggest cheerleaders but they also wanted me to do it on my own. And so my mom was really big on, she would always say to me, she's like, you, if you want to go, you know, set up a co-writing session for a songwriting session, you go do that on your own. If you want to find an acting agent, you go do that. But, you know, I will always be here for you the second you ever need, you know, legal advice. You know, I'm never going to let you, I'm never going to let you fail in that sense. Um, But she was always really big on me kind of doing it all on my own until there was something that she needed to step in for, you know, for reasons of just like my safety, making sure that I was always like protected, which is why I kind of brought it like to a legal thing, just something that everybody can kind of relate to. Um, But I think you know, the the biggest and the best thing that my mom and both my parents did for me was letting me figure it all out on my own. Because I really think that that shaped me into the independent person that I am today. Um, And, you know, it made me as self-sufficient as I am. And it made me the go-getter that I am. Um, And so even though they were pretty hands-off when it came to you know, my desire to be a part of the entertainment world, I think that's in a strange way what helped me grow the most. Yeah, I think it's so important to touch on that and to highlight the importance of the independence. And um, I think it's so wonderful that your parents encouraged you basically to try things out on your own and make mistakes because it's oftentimes when we stumble we grow because getting ourselves back up. And I think that's attributed clearly to the success of your business, your producing business that we'll talk about next in a moment. So I'm wondering, as we discussed, you started your online event producing business. Can you share with the audience uh, a bit about what you do in your business? Yes. So it, you know, it sounds confusing at first. People are like, oh, an online producer, dot, dot, dot. What? Um, So I, (laughs) I kind of explain it like this. I am the one who presses the giant buttons, right? So I am a producer for online, a technical producer, excuse me, for online concerts, shows, events, talk shows, conferences, basically any large scale production that is being done online. I am a technical producer for. Um, So I have produced shows for Broadway actors, Broadway producers and directors. I've produced shows for Fortune 500 companies and event agencies. I've produced shows for nonprofits. Uh, My clientele is pretty kind of all over the place. Uh, But the one thing that does stay consistent is my title. So typically I'm brought in as a technical producer, as executive producer slash consultant, um, you know, where I'm really working with a brand and with a company to help them, uh, you know, develop an online show or presentation. Uh, So that's pretty much what I do. 
Yeah, that's incredible. And so I'm wondering, how did you decide on creating your business focused on online event producing? Okay, well, let's um, talk about pivoting, uh, which I know is something that you and I both really like to talk about. So I, I've always wanted to be my own boss and run my own business, uh, which is kind of funny because I also, you know, my end goal is to be an actor. I've actually had some success as an actor. I've been on a national tour. I've been in a couple off-Broadway shows. Uh, The end goal, of course, is Broadway and then film and television. So in that aspect, I don't mind having a boss, you know, having a director and producers. But when it comes to kind of my my nine to five, the things I do in between gigs, it's always been my goal to be my own boss. Um, So prior to the pandemic, I was working in luxury retail. I have a background in luxury retail and fashion. Um, I used to be a stylist at a store called Barney's, which is a, um, or it was a luxury fashion store in New York City. Um, And then I was also a sales associate and stylist at Stuart Weitzman, which is luxury shoes. And, you know, I... I really liked my job, even though it wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I definitely did find joy in it, but I would say around January, February of this year, it was coming to a point where it was getting harder and harder to kind of find the joy in the nine to five. Um, And, you know, I, I, um, it was getting harder and harder to find time to audition for, you know, projects that really mattered to me. I feel like I was having to tell my acting agent and my acting manager no more times than I really wanted to. Um, And so I had kind of planted this seed in my head um, and I'd kind of thought, okay, maybe it's time to, you know, start looking for something that I can do where I can be my own boss. I don't know what that is, but I think it's time to finally make that transition. Cut to March. And cut to this pandemic where New York City completely shut down. Um, I was out of my retail job. I was uh, I was still employed, but obviously the store itself was closed. So I wasn't bringing in any money there. Broadway was and still is dark, meaning auditions weren't happening. And I realized, oh, okay, this, is, this shutdown is going to be longer than two weeks. So I need to pivot and I need to pivot fast. And I've always been somebody who I'm very techie. I've just always been very interested in technology, video editing. You know, I have my own YouTube channel. That's been a huge part of my life for 11 years now. And I really, I don't know what it was, but this light bulb kind of went off in me. And I thought, no, all of these live events that were supposed to be happening throughout 2020 they can't happen anymore, in person at least, due to, you know, this global pandemic. And so I thought, what if I created a business and produced these shows online? That way companies can still, companies and, you know, actors and performers can still have a space and a way to produce these shows, but we're doing it safely. So my job in New York City closed on the 17th. On the 18th, my boyfriend, my puppy, and I flew down to Nashville to be with my family because there was more space for us all to kind of spread out. And on the 23rd, I booked my first producing gig. So I, I had my first client. And then literally from there, it it almost went from zero to 100 overnight. Not exactly overnight, but I will say um, if you want kind of exact you know, numbers. So the 23rd, I had booked my first client. And then three weeks later, I had 10. 
And I knew I had something really, really special. Never thinking it would actually become my full-time job. I just knew I had something special and something that I loved. And even though, you know, it's not my end goal, it's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I am so grateful that I still get to be involved in the entertainment industry during a time where so many people have had to put that part of their life on pause. Yeah, definitely. And I'm so glad that you touched on the topic of pivoting because that is really one of one of the many reasons that I wanted to ask you to be on the podcast because you perfectly exemplify what it means to take that leap of faith and pivot from a job that may seem more secure into starting something totally new and not knowing where it's going to go. And you so courageously took the steps to start that because you knew that that was something you, that was, there was a need there, but also it allowed you to leverage your skills in media and, and performance and also created a platform for other people to highlight their businesses. It sounded like. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, um, I think, uh, without the work that me and you know my colleagues who are doing similar work are doing, without that, um, so many shows and events would have just had to completely disappear until the world goes back to you know quote unquote normal. Um, so it's definitely um, it's definitely been a really fantastic uh, job, and the demand is really high. I feel very lucky to be able to say that you know in a time where. So many people are losing their jobs and uncertain about their financial future and their financial stability. Um, I feel very lucky and I count my blessings every day. Um, and I feel very grateful to be able to say that so far I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm, do I'm doing better than okay. This is now my full-time job and it's really been a, a wild experience to say the least. Yeah, that's wonder wonderful. I'm so happy for your success that you've experience during this time because it, it can be difficult to settle into this idea that you are experiencing experiencing a level of comfort and success where a lot of people aren't so I think it's great that you're able to acknowledge that um, that actually brings me into my next question since because I know you mentioned that you started in March yeah I started correct? like March or around the end of March and so of course it's been eight or nine months now. I don't exactly yeah. know the exact time frame. How has the pandemic impacted your business and how do you envision the future of it as we go on into the new year? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I feel very lucky again to be able to say that honestly, my business hasn't really been affected by the pandemic. In fact, I think it's been able to really thrive just because, look, I, I wouldn't wish this pandemic on anybody ever, but you know, it's happening. And because it's happening, all of these, you know, theaters and venues and these large gatherings had to cancel. So the demand to have somebody produce them online is very, very high. Um, and so, like I said, you know, it really did kind of go almost from zero to 100. Um, so, you know, booked my first client end of March, three weeks later, I had 10 clients cut to June, I was making triple what I was bringing in from my luxury retail job. And don't get me wrong, the money in luxury retail is really good. There's a reason why it's really hard for people to leave. But, you know, I was making, I was literally bringing home triple what I was making and I was working less hours and I was getting to make my own schedule, something that I had truly never 100% been able to experience before. Um, and then as far as where I think my business will go, 
after the pandemic, people kind of always are confused when I say this, but I am really looking forward to the end of all of this because I know that my job, while it will still be in demand, and I think I'll probably pivot to producing some more live and in-person events, I'm really looking forward to the day where my job isn't as in demand because that means the world will be open again, New York will be back, auditions will be happening again, um, and I'll be able to focus on you know what I what I what I truly love. And don't get me wrong, I I love this producing job. I love it so much. I wake up every day eager to work, but I also love auditioning, and that's been a part of myself that has been missing for quite a few months. So I'm really looking forward to you know still being in somewhat of a demand, but also not at the same time. I don't know if that made sense at all. Oh, it absolutely does. Yes. Yes. Um, well, I, I am so inspired by the success of your business. And I think it's a job or a business that I don't, I had never heard of before. And that's one of the reasons why I was so curious to know about it. And it is something that's so in demand. And as unfortunate as it may seem, although I'm so happy for you, so unfortunate it may seem that we have had to shift from in-person conferences yeah. and in meetings and things like that. The um, need for it, I agree, is going to continue. And being that you have had that success where your, your clients um, have grown, the amount of clients you have has grown, do they reach out to you? when they find out that yeah so my this? business i would say um as far as you know networking networking is something that is incredibly important however i would say that my business grew pretty drastically just by word of mouth um you know especially the, the theater community it might seem incredibly large when you break it down it really is a small world and so as soon as you start working with somebody they refer you to someone else and so on and so on so i would say for the most part um, clients and businesses and organizations usually reach out to me, but then it is my job to come back at them with a pitch and quotes. So um, I still definitely do a little bit of what you're asking. And that's really good to know because it actually nicely transitions into me wanting to know from your professional experience and from the success you've had, is there advice you can give women when it comes to establishing their worth in their business and advocating for themselves when pitching their skills? I know this is something we talked about in your episode, but I want to learn from your own perspective. And your yeah, own oh my experience. gosh, absolutely. Knowing your worth and knowing your value is something that I try and kind of preach every single day. Um, and of course, it's something that I don't think I will ever stop kind of evolving with. Um, but I feel like I'm at a really good place in my life to speak on this. And obviously I'm not an expert, but I definitely feel like I do have some advice to give. Um, so when it comes to pitching and knowing your worth, specifically financially, because I think this is something that's really hard for a lot of young women in particular to speak on. They very uncomfortable when it comes to talks about money, which is why I try and be very open on all of my social media platforms, but especially my podcast and my YouTube channel. I try and be very, very, very open when it comes to finances. Um, my biggest tip is to truly just charge what your gut tells you to charge. You know, I, at the beginning of my business, I didn't know 
what rates were appropriate because I was one of the first people kind of in this niche to create a business. So I didn't have any fellow colleagues to really like bounce ideas and rates off of. And so, you know, looking back on where I was at the beginning of my business versus now, I was way undercharging in the beginning. And that's okay because I was, you know, building up my client base and, you know, building my reputation. But then, you know, a couple months in when I started working with even bigger companies and my business was really growing, I did change my rates and I raised them pretty drastically. And at first I would say like 80% of the clients that I was working with or that wanted to work with me completely understood. But there was that 20% who kind of like tilted their head and questioned me. And it basically just came down to me knowing my worth and just saying, look, my resume does not lie. You've seen the work that I'm producing. You know the caliber and the quality of what I'm producing. So my rates are absolutely worth it. And I think, you know, walking into a meeting and being confident, not cocky, but confident in knowing your worth and knowing that you have nothing to lose, that mindset seriously changes the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, something I started thinking about is in that last bit was you uh, have a, a visual representation of what your skills are, being that it's your resume, but you're also able to speak to them. How important do you find that when it comes to um, navigating those conversations with clients that might want to be might, might want to negotiate down what they are will pay you. How important is it for you to have certain data to back up what you are proposing or your the services you're going to offer them and the experience as um, in comparison to just the conversation? Do you, does one seem to have more value over the other? Oh, that's a really good question. I, again, I think it's kind of a mix of both. I mean, obviously you need to have the kind of analytics to back up what you're charging and you need to have the the resume and the experience. But I think also being able to be face to face when having these meetings, even if right now, you know, it has to be over Zoom, allowing people to see you while you're talking and allowing them to kind of see your, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but allowing them to really see who you are and your presence and your confidence um, in what you are doing um, is really, really important. I think it's definitely a combination of both. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I think it's definitely a combination of both. You need to have the, the analytics and the resume to back it up, but you also just need to come in and be authentically you. And I think that that will take you really far as well. And I think that's why so many people have worked with me. And that's why so many people are wanting to work with me is because, I walk in and, you know, I know exactly who I am and I know what I'm worth. And I think as soon as I start a conversation, people can see that. Um, And so that's what I, that's the advice that I would give to any person, but especially a young woman who is in a similar position, Um, you know, have the numbers, have the data, but also just show them who you are. Yeah, I think that's so important and it can sound, I feel so simple. I love the way you framed it because... I think at our core, we all really just want to show up as ourselves. Sometimes we need to turn on a certain version in order to um, get the opportunity to pitch that idea or get our foot in the door. 
but really at the end of the day, we want to be recognized for our work um, as ourselves. And you have such a beautiful presence and such a confidence and, but also an assertiveness that I think is so well accompanied, but it, it's really approachable. And, well, well, and I, I was going to say, yeah. you know, that, that balance definitely didn't happen overnight. It's, it's a learning experience, you know, but I think especially as women, we need to, we need to find that balance. Um, you know, you can't just come in being as, you know, as much as it sucks to say it, you know, we're living in a day and age where we can't come in as cocky and as blunt as men can be sometimes, because then, you know, we are, you know, people will turn around and say, oh my God, she was such a, you know what, you know, I don't know if we're allowed to use language on your podcast, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think kind of finding that balance, being authentically you, but also really kind of setting boundaries from the beginning and letting people know these are my non-negotiables. These are the things I will not budge on. And these are the things that I will always be assertive when it comes to. I think that's really, really important, but it definitely didn't happen overnight. Um, And, you know, but I I definitely realized that it was something that was very, very important to learn how to navigate because I am somebody who like not to, you know, brag on myself, but I'd like to think I'm a very nice person. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think a lot, hopefully a lot of people would agree. Um, But sometimes I think that can be misinterpreted for I am easily persuaded and I can be you know, pushed over really easily. And so I think kind of learning how to find that balance of being very kind, but also being very assertive um, is is an absolute necessity, especially when it comes to running your own business. Yeah, I am so glad that you touched on um, having boundaries because it is something that can be really difficult to create. Um, the fine line between having boundaries and being available because um, our fear of being passed up on an opportunity because we aren't available enough. But also, if we don't create boundaries, we burn ourselves out. Oh my gosh, yeah, especially and, like running your own business, yeah. the boundaries between work and life get blurred so quickly because, you know, also like I work from home. So the place that I do my business is also the place that I, you know, watch Netflix and hang out with my boyfriend and my puppy. So as soon as I, you know, created this business and, you know, had somewhat of a schedule, I immediately started creating boundaries and immediately started kind of verbalizing what my like non-negotiables were. It's really important. Boundaries are everything, but especially when working for yourself. Yeah. I'm curious to know, how do you set those boundaries? Do you have specific hours that you block out in your calendar and then you share those with your clients saying, I'm going to be working during these times, or you can email me during these times, but not expect a response until this time. How do you yeah, uh, lay I mean, that so out? The beauty in, again, like working for myself and running my own business is I can kind of create my own schedule every single day. Um, you know, there, there are weeks where I, I will just take a random Wednesday off because there's, you know, something I want to do, or, you know, there are days where I'll start my work day, especially late, but generally for the most part, um, you know, besides running, my own producing business. I also run my own brand in a sense. You know, I, I, I'm an actor. I have auditions. I have my own YouTube channel, my own podcast. So typically what I try to do, um, is I wake up around seven to feed my dog. And then from about seven to 1030, that is my like me time. So I hang out with my boyfriend. I work out working out every single day is a non-negotiable for me. 
um, especially during these times when we're kind of stuck indoors more than we'd like to um, or like to be. So I work out, I edit a YouTube video, respond to comments, maybe like FaceTime a friend or call my parents, you know, do, do something for me. I think that's really important. And then I get started on client's work around 10, 30 or 11, depending on the day. I just find that that's when I'm kind of at my peak when it comes to working for others. And then typically, unless I'm producing a show at night, which sometimes does happen, I typically like to end my work day around like 6.30 or 7 at the latest. Um, and then my, my only other like big non-negotiable that I can think of off the top of my head is typically, unless it is an opportunity that like there's no way I'm passing it up, I don't work weekends. That is a really hard non-negotiable for me because that is my time where I work on me, my brand, and just doing things that bring me joy. Um, and I, I, that is such a privilege for me because having worked in the typical like nine to five world for so long, I can't remember the last time that I had, you know, a full weekend off and consistently. So now that I can make my own schedule, that is something that's really, really important to me. Yeah, I think you're, that's very, very a good reminder for us to remember how to set those concrete boundaries. And it really comes down to our own wellness. And if we don't set them, then we're going to uh, experience burnout. I mean, it's real and I know I've experienced it. So I think the, the I think you've balanced it and, and, and um, structured it very well in your life. And I feel like that's a tool that so many of us, I mean, I know I'm going to try and incorporate that into how I approach my Yeah, oh my gosh, I've, I've tried. And, you know, I'm saying, and I feel like you'll agree with me on this, like one of my biggest sayings, and I didn't create it, it's just something that I say a lot, which is you cannot pour from an empty cup. So you have to take care of you first. Self-care, making sure that you are mentally okay and in the right headspace is so important. And I feel like nowadays we're living in this fast paced, like go, go, go world, hustle, hustle, which I hate that word. Fun fact, I really am not a fan of the hustle. I like to say I work hard. I don't hustle. I work hard. And uh, but I think, you know, we live in this very fast paced world where people are always, you know, paying attention to others. What do others need? And then so often it means that we neglect ourselves and that's when we hit that burnout. So when I transitioned into working for myself full time, that was something that I was always very, very conscious of. Yeah, I think self-care is so important. And I think that we all don't have the freedom to set certain time aside because we're, our schedules are so busy. Self-care can be different for every single person. And there are ways to incorporate it into your everyday work life. For me, when I was working um, in my nine to five, and I actually still do this now, I would literally buy myself or bring myself a cup of tea every, every single day to work. And for me, just slowing down to like take a few sips of my tea every now and then, to me, that was a way to practice self-care. And I still do that when I'm working. I always like brew myself a cup of tea before sitting down, you know, and getting started with my clients in the morning. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be anything major. It's just little things that make you feel good and, you know, make you feel cared for. Yeah, that's such a great reminder where something small can have such a big impact. 
I want to also give you an opportunity to talk about your YouTube channel. I've watched multiple videos and I love all of the content you've created and it's so inspiring to me. I, I am so glad you like and enjoy my content. <laughs> um, I actually started my YouTube channel 11 years ago when YouTube wasn't half of what it is today. Um, I you know, grew up watching like the OG beauty YouTubers. So like Juicy Star 07, Michelle Fawn. And I don't know what like, you know, brewed inside of me, but I was like, I need to do that. Even though at the time I literally knew like nothing about makeup. I just knew that I liked it. Um, so I created this YouTube channel 11 years ago. Um, I, I never did it because I thought it could become a part-time job. That was never the goal. And so I always tell people who are interested in starting a channel, if you are doing it for the money, don't even bother because the money, if it comes, it's not coming for a very, very long time. So, uh, but I was monetized in 2016. So it's been a part-time job of mine for quite a few years now. Um, and of course, over the span of those 11 years, my channel has definitely evolved. I still do talk about beauty. It's a big love of mine, but I would say primarily it's now more of a lifestyle channel. Um, I really just wanted to create a positive and safe environment where people could come and escape and watch real authentic content and, you know, watch somebody who isn't pretending to be anybody but themselves. You know what I mean? Um, so my content primarily re revolves around a lot of like daily vlogs. I like people to feel like they really know me. Um, I always say my subscribers are my family. They're not my subscribers. I treat them like friends and family. Uh, so lots of vlogs, um, you know, some more advice or some more advice based videos. Um, I also do like reviews and, uh, you know, girl talk videos, you know, a little bit of everything, basically anything that brings me joy and that I think other people will enjoy, I post. <laughs> I am so glad that you mentioned um, just being yourself because I feel it's so important for all women, young women and older women, because I feel like I'm still growing up every day, um, is finding uh, women that we can look up to that are, truly being themselves and sharing ideas that we can relate to. And I feel like so much I have watched other beauty tutorials and the women look beautiful, but they're doing makeup in a way that just seems unachievable for me. And I think having someone to that I feel I can identify with makes it the, the hope and the possibility of being able to achieve that look like watching your YouTube channels, I can feel like I can, I can achieve that look. I can look as good as Ruby today if I follow her tutorial. And I think there, maybe I don't explore YouTube enough, but I feel like there isn't enough of that. And I think your presence, as we talked about, is so authentic and genuine and beautiful. And I think there's well, that just made my day and right back at you, Cecilia. Oh my God, I think my dog agrees because she just made a noise right now. Um, <laughs> my dog agrees because it's obsessed with me too. Um, no, you know, that's what I've always tried to do. I think as YouTube has grown, um, it has definitely changed. Some might say for better, others might say for worse. I, I'm kind of in the middle. Um, but I've just always kind of known that I've never wanted to 
put on a character. I just always wanted to be me. And although my channel, you know, is probably quite a bit slower growth wise compared to other channels in my same niche, I feel like, you know, by just staying authentically me, I have cultivated this very small, but very loving and like-minded community of people. And I'm really, really proud of that. Yeah, I I can agree with that because I, I can relate to it with, um, like, I have a blog and also an Instagram page for the podcast. And it's still very new, but some days I feel uh, a bit scared to post something or I start criti- critiquing what it is that I wrote in the description or, or the photo that I captured and shared and comparing myself to other um, Instagram pages or podcast show pages and realizing it's not, it doesn't look like that other person who I feel is very polished and more professional, maybe more established, but I'm doing it my way which I think we need to realize is what what's going to bring people to you. Because if you're being authentic, I think there's no way that you can, you, you won't grow and that people will love you. And I think you, oh, thank you. And really I, I think well. you do as well. And that's why I was so eager to like do this podcast swap because I could just tell from like the second we spoke on the phone for the first time that you were just so authentically you. And I just so admire and appreciate that. Yeah, I think that listening to your audience and really speaking to them seems like just the, maybe the most obvious way to go about it, but maybe some people don't think about. And I think that speaks a lot to what attributes the success of your your YouTube channel, as you talked about, is you really listen to your subscribers where they become family and you cultivate those relationships. And I think that also speaks a lot to the importance of relationships then in anything we do is it doesn't just become transactional. We really have to create relationships with each other where we're authentically and genuinely showing that we're delivering something because we want to see you succeed. We want to be a resource. And I think that's something that you and I also share in common. It's part of my mission. And it sounds like it's part of yours as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, but specifically, like, when it comes to my YouTube channel, I always tell people, like, yes, I'm doing this for creating videos, and I love connecting with people, but I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it because my audience enjoys it. So to not listen to them would just be a blatant sign of, like, not disrespect, but just blatantly not really caring about them. And I care about them so much. So why wouldn't I listen to them, you know? In your YouTube channel... What has been the biggest challenge you faced throughout the 11 years that you've now been publishing content? Oh, of course there have been. Or have oh, no, 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 no. Of course there have been challenges. Oh my gosh, nothing in life is easy. Um, or at least I don't really think it should be. I think you should always have to, you know, work hard. But I would say one of the biggest things that I struggled with, I would say like not really anymore because I've, I've learned and I've grown. But, you know, I started on YouTube at the same time that a lot of these, like, huge beauty and lifestyle content creators did, and yet they took off much faster and are much larger than I am now. And there was definitely a time where I would just get frustrated anytime looking at my YouTube channel because I would just immediately start kind of comparing it to others. And obviously comparison is a very natural part of life. 
and it's something that we've all had to deal with, but, um, and something that I definitely have grown and, and learned from it. I don't really find myself comparing my channel anymore, but there was definitely a time where I was like, you know, what is it? Like I started at the same time as all of these people and yet they have like millions and millions of views a month and I just have thousands. But then I, I think it just came down to me realizing, you know what? I never even did this for the views to begin with. I never did this because I thought I could make money. I did it because I love it and I still love it. So I think just kind of leaning into that and, and really remembering the why, why I started this channel is really, really important. I think that's such important advice because it's something that I've found myself doing as well. Sometimes with the podcast is comparing myself or realizing, thinking, gosh, I don't feel like I have as much of a following. What am I doing wrong? Am I not reaching enough people? Because I really want to share these stories and get the voices of these incredible women out there as much as possible. But then realizing that it's not about that. It's about sharing stories and the passion and the heart you have. Behind yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm I so think, glad you touched on that. You know, um, comparison, if you let it take over your life, it can really, really rule your life. And so, you know, just leaning into the why and just leaning into the passion and not the potential like success or money or opportunities that can come from it but just leaning into the joy of like creating and just doing is really really important before we end the episode i wanted to share with you that we will be taking a short break for the remainder of the year but I promise we will be back with more of these inspiring conversations with courageous women. I hope you will join me with our first episode of the new year, available Tuesday, January 5th. I know it's been a tough year for all of us, and I hope that these stories provided you with a bit of solace during a time when we could all use some comfort and a friendly voice. Now let's continue with more from my guest. So I want to, we're going to start wrapping things up just a little bit. As a woman, what is one thing you, you think other women can do to show advocacy and support? Well, we actually just talked about this on my podcast, but it is so important. I will say it twice. Um, And I mean, honestly, there are so many different ways to show support for women, but something that I think is applicable for everybody and something that we all can do literally every single day is give a compliment to somebody and i know that it might seem so small but that can literally change somebody's day it's changed my day i you know i've had days especially during this pandemic you know where i've just been feeling pretty down and i've had somebody literally just tell me i like your glasses and i swear to you for the rest of the day i'm holding my head just a little bit higher and i'm feeling happier Um, And so I think remembering to just spread a little bit more kindness and, you know, give a genuine compliment to somebody when, you know, you see something you like, I think is one of the best ways to show support for not just women, but but anybody in the world. And so my last question of our conversation is, is there a woman or women in your life that have advocated for you? And been especially supportive of you? Well, there have been so many women. Um, as far as like my immediate family goes, you know, my mom, my sister, both my grandmothers have always been, you know, so incredibly supportive to me or for for me. They've always been a big advocate for me. Um, my aunts, I love them all. Um, as far as, 
you know, other women in my life, um, there is, I mean, there, there are truly so many, I would say as far as women who are not in my immediate family, but have still, you know, done so much for me, for me and changed my life in one way or another, I'll just, I'll list them off kind of in a speed round. Um, Julie Halston, Kristen Chenoweth, one of my best friends, Maria, who lives here in the city with me, or not with me, but she lives here in the city and we see each other a lot. I love her so much. Um, <laughs> there have been endless people and I'm so grateful for not just the women in my life who have been advocates for me, but anyone in my life. I mean, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning, my, my mom has been one of my biggest cheerleaders, but also my dad. I mean, he was the stay at home parent growing up while my mom was, you know, working and going on tours and, you know, doing shows and she was home a lot too, but my dad was definitely the primary stay at home parent. And I am just so thankful and grateful for him and the fact that he raised both me and my sister to be such strong, independent and powerful women. Um, I can never, thank him enough and the same goes for my mom of course I am so glad you have such a strong community and group of people in your life that have advocated for you I applaud all of them and am so happy for you and all of your success and am so excited for everything else you're going to achieve I can't wait to continue to follow you and and witness that from afar and, and continue to watch your videos and all of the content you create. It's oh, well, this was so much fun. Thank you so you. much. Again, it was like an honor getting to talk to you too. And, you know, thank you so much for coming onto my podcast as well. I, I can't thank you enough. Of course. And I also want to give people an opportunity to follow you. So if you'd like to share your YouTube channel and your social media. podcast that is about notes. you with Ruby Lochner. New episodes go live every single Monday at 8 a.m. I almost forgot. Wow. Hello. Um, you can also find me on YouTube at Ruby Lochner. Um, Instagram is Ruby Lochner. Twitter is Ruby Lochner. And then I just recently joined TikTok. I've been posting a little bit on there too, trying to kind of broaden my online footprint. And that is Ruby Lochner official because somebody took my name, but we'll figure that out. <laughs> it's give back. No, please, I don't ask for a lot in life. I just want my name. <laughs> <laughs> give her this for Christmas. Um... <laughs> Thank you so much. I am so excited to release this episode. Oh, right back at you. Thank such you. An inspiration. Thank you, Ruby. I really enjoyed my conversation with Ruby, and I hope you did as well. Her confidence and spirit is contagious in the best way possible. And I appreciated how she shared her personal and creative background and how it seamlessly ties into her work today. I also appreciated how she shared tips for structuring your day and small ways to practice self-care. She inspired me with her courage to take a leap of faith to start her own business and her YouTube channel. If you haven't listened to an episode of Ruby's podcast about you with Ruby Lochner, I highly recommend subscribing to it. She lends her talent and voice to episodes in a way that I hope to achieve with my own podcasting style. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did and would like to know about new episodes coming out, please subscribe, rate, or review. And if you have a guest you'd like to refer to me or a topic you'd like me to talk about, please feel free to send me a message through the Anchor app 
or send me an email to talk at applaudher.co. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, let's advocate for each other. Thank you.